This is the Influencers Network Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Craig, and I'm the Executive Director for Influencers here in Bentonville, Arkansas. Well, last week, if you joined us and, and listened to the podcast, you got to hear part one of an interview that Rocky Fleming did with Pete McKenzie and Sam Parsons while we were at Soto. And it was a very poignant, special moment of hearing these two sages talk about a life lived in Christ and a life well done. And so this week, we want to share part two of that interview, and uh, I know you're going to enjoy it. So enjoy, the, enjoy this interview from Soto. Uh, again, my admiration for you. Uh, you did go into full-time ministry, though, with the Navigators. Is that correct? And what year was that? That was in 76. We moved uh, to California to go and stay, uh, stay off with the NAVs. And so your career path has been with the Navigators. Uh, and then the founding of uh, Church Resource Ministries, which is a ministry that is worldwide uh, with uh, hundreds of missionaries, I think. 30 countries. 30 countries. Uh, and, that, uh, and then from there, you were, uh, uh, you were a missionary into Eastern Europe, if I'm not correct, uh, leading a team over, over there, coming back, pastoring a church uh, down at so South Coast, is that correct? Men and couples pastor in that couples. church. And then you were on planting a church, right? And then from that point on, then you went from there with influencers. And so your full-time ministry has been constant. It's been varied. It's been always dealing with either uh, men and couples, uh, always reaching back and making disciples as long as I've known you. You know, I've never felt qualified for anything that I've done. God chose the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, he right. said. And um, I was in a principal, principal of a Christian school for six years, and I had a degree in textile management. And um, so I felt real out of place. I had a biology teacher one time say, I got a problem with you being my principal. I said, I do too. <laughs> and... Um, so um, I was there six years, and then I went on staff with the NAVs, and I hadn't memorized any of their verses or done any of their Bible study. And I asked the guy, I said, what am I doing on NAV staff? And he said, well, I'm not worried about you doing all that stuff. But he had watched me get fired from the Christian school. <laughs> and uh, he just said, I, you're the kind of guy I want on my team. Um, so pastoring, I, I was purposed in my heart never to be a pastor. So, mm -hmm. you know, God laughed at that one. All right, so let me segue to this segment I was wanting to hold back on. I want to read you something from Oswald Chambers. He wrote this in my utmost for his highest. God expects his children to be so confident in him that in any crisis, they are the ones who are reliable. Both of you men have suffered some pretty bad loss in the last two years with the loss of your beloved wives. You share that in common. Is God still a good God of grace? Yes. How Absolutely. Is he how does he minister to you through this? Will you share your story? Sam, would you start? You 
feet would you start? I have to think about it. <laughs> well, you know, God started it with our, losing our son at birth and started teaching me how to praise him in all circumstances. And um, when we found out Susan had a brain tumor, I, I think I shared this last year with you guys, uh, two years ago, whenever we were here last. Uh, when I found out Susan had a brain tumor, we found it out. Um, we were sorting through getting used to the idea and what was going on and getting over the shock of it initially. And uh, God just showed us that this is not about you. Um, this is about everybody that knows you. This is the, the quote that you just had um, where he said, when the crisis comes and courage is required, God expects his men to have such confidence in him that they can be relied on and relied on to live the Christian life and show the world what it means to know Jesus Christ, that our God is God and he's able. And um, so he said, this could either be the worst thing that ever happened to you or it could be your finest hour. You get to choose. Mm. And so Susan and I just decided, let's make it our finest hour. Let's just praise God and trust him through this thing, whatever, whatever he's got for us. And um, there's a November the 1st devotional in My Most We Is Highest where Oswald Chambers says, why shouldn't God break our hearts? He says, if God has to break your heart to accomplish his purpose in the world, then thank him for breaking your heart. Amen. And uh, that just hit me right in the heart. So we began to thank God and be grateful for whatever he had. He woke me up one morning, um, not too, within a week or two when she died, he says, I don't want you mourning over what you're losing. You'd be grateful for what you had for 50 years. And so um, in losing Susan, um, I was, you and I, you stayed a week with me, Rocky, mm -hmm. after our, her memorial service. And remember, we went to the beach. And we wrote letters. We wrote letters. And God wrote letters. Yeah, we wrote a letter to God, kind of pouring our heart out. Rocky went down there, and I went 100 yards in the other direction. We spent two or three hours down yeah. there that morning. And, um, and God wrote me a letter. He said, Dear Pete, he said, I know I've broken your heart because I've taken your soulmate and your best friend to come be with me, but you'll have to trust me. And there's that word. You'll have to trust me that I could accomplish more for the gospel by bringing her home than I could if I had left her here and healed her. And so I had to decide at that point, is my life counting for the gospel? Do I love Susan more than I love Christ in the gospel? Because when I got saved, I knew I was under new management, but I never thought about, does my life really count for the gospel? Do I really love the gospel of Christ? Paul says, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. And so I've got a whole new understanding about uh, the gospel in my life. And that if God wants to help himself to my life, then that's his privilege. And I have to give him permission. Can I trust you with a brain tumor to be the reliable ones? And so every guy in this room and every guy that's ever put his hand to the plow of following Jesus Christ is going to have to make that decision over something sooner or later. Now, if the, if the gospel is not what I'm living for, and I told God afterwards I missed her so much and still do, um, I told him afterwards, God, I'm afraid I've made an idol out of her. People would give us coffee cups that reminded us of Susan and pictures of her and all this stuff. So I just put it on the dining room table. And then one day I looked at it and I said, I just got a shrine to Susan going here. And um, so I told God, I said, God, um, 
I'm afraid I've made an idol out of her and I love her more than I love you. And he said the coolest thing. He said, no, you don't love her more than you love me. You love her because you love me. Mm -hmm. And so I just... All right, Sam, follow that. That helps. <laughs> I unfortunately did not have a, a much time with um, Colleen's when she died. Um, she died suddenly. She got sepsis. She was healthy one day, and then three days later she was sick, and, and two weeks later she was gone. And so I wasn't prepared for that. She couldn't talk. Um, she was in the bed. She was intubated, whatever you say it. And um, so she couldn't talk. So it was a, it was a hard, really hard uh, transition. And a lot, like I say, on my Facebook prayer and talking to God. And so I, I got, I've, I, I've good news is I've gotten to the point where Pete's at, uh, where I totally trust God no matter what. And I, he's got a plan for it. And I know that his, her going was his plan. And it's at, uh, it was my plan, but it's his plan. Uh, but boy, for a few few really rocky weeks I really had a hard time I couldn't sing love songs because every love song I ever sang for the last you know almost 40 years 35 years was to her and so I had a hard time doing my ministry uh going back into ministry and so um it was a hard transition it's been a very very hard transition I miss her I miss her a lot but I also went through this idol thing that uh, Pete said I, I I thought you know I loved her so much I mean, I thought about her all the time. I talked to her on the phone. We prayed on the phone every day. Uh, we talked for hours every, in the evening when I'd get home. Uh, she would just push me out the door and encourage me in ministry. And she was my inspiration and uh, prettiest thing in the world. And, and so um, I just had, I thought, you know, Lord, I, maybe, maybe I made her an idol. I didn't mean to. I mean, I know she didn't create anything. I didn't make her a god. She didn't create anything except happiness for me, but um, she wasn't God. And then uh, I said something to the Lord about it. And in a similar way, he said to me, he said, what did I tell you to do with her when I gave her to you? I said, well, you told me to love her. And he says, did you love her? And I said, yeah. And he says, well, then you did what I said and let it go. And then I kind of bored through the thing a little bit more, but and I'm fine now. I understand. I mean, I adored her. I thought she was the cutest thing in the world. I still do. I wear the ring, look at her picture every day. And uh, I kind of figured out, I had made a swine too without really meaning to. I was putting up family pictures, and I looked up. There wasn't one of them without her in it. And so I realized I'd made a family shrine on the wall, <laughs> uh, Colleen's shrine. So anyway, that's, that's, I'm doing better, though. I don't cry as much. I don't have waves of sorrow. That's one of the things that happens when you lose your wife. You, you think you got you got it together and you're going along great, and all of a sudden some little memory or some little thing, you'll see something on a shelf or you'll hear a song or something, and it'll just start coming back. And if you're not careful, you'll get in that downward spiral and get depressed. So you kind of um, play with it a little bit. You let yourself tear up a little bit and think back, but you grab yourself pretty quick and go to go at God with it real quick. So you guys are ministering to at least two men I know out here, young guys. Mm. There's Jack who lost his uh, beloved wife six years ago. Mm. There's Drew that lost his wife and child w within two years ago. Yeah, young men. Yeah, 
And so, you know, you're ministering to them right now. And what would you say to them? We belong to a club we don't want to belong to. But we do because God's chose for us to do that. So he must have, my just hypothetical, I'm thinking about it, he must have known that uh, Colleen wouldn't have done as well without me okay. as supposedly I'm trying to do without her. And I don't understand all that, but I think she would have been frightened and she'd have gone through a lot of fear and a lot of worry and stuff like that and where I've just kind of had to pull my way through it. But uh, God's comforted me every, every inch of the way. But I would say to that brother, you know, it doesn't, it's not going to get a lot easier. You're going to miss her forever. The guy that's lost her six years ago, I only lost mine a year ago. And I already know that that's never going to leave. Yeah. I'll always miss her. But, I, but like Pete, I, I'm grateful for the wife that I had. I mean, I was blessed. And I mean, I, I, gosh, I can't imagine it being any better than it was. Yeah. So, Would you add anything to that, Pete? Speaking of those two guys out there. I think I probably already said, you know, what I would say uh, in that regard. Um, Everybody mourns differently. You know, you don't grieve the same, everybody. And it takes some guys and women and men longer than others when we lose loved ones, whether it be children or wives or husbands. But, you know, the thing that has comforted me through the whole thing is what I've already shared. Okay. And um, that I know... It's a comfort that I'll see Susan again, but I probably think more of her not being here now. Mm -hmm. And that just keeps reminding me to keep turning to him and getting grace from him and strength from him and comfort from him. Um, It's been a great thing for Sam and me both, I think. And you maybe, I don't want to run ahead of you, but. You were doing that. I'm going going to take it back. (laughs) Well, just about us staying in ministry. And that's where I want to go with this because you said, you said, you said something about, uh, as a song leader and a worship leader, you had a hard time really worshiping and, and doing it. But I know you did. I know that you kept going on Wednesday mornings and Friday mornings and you were still leading worship. I know that you kept going on Wednesday morning, Friday morning, and you were teaching and your strength of your teaching was even greater. I know you guys continued to stay in there. You didn't feel like it, but you continued to serve your king. And my question is why? You're 74 years old. You're 70 years old, and you could probably be doing like a lot of people, and that is take your leisure. But why do you not, Pete? Well, I was the Lord. I told you that um, the Lord told me it's not about you; it's about all these people you get a chance to minister to. Right. It's all these men that you get a chance to encourage mm-hmm. in Christ, and um, so that kept me going. And it's been a therapy for me. I, th- I know it has been yeah. for Sam. Yeah to be able to just keep pouring out and keep encouraging guys. And you don't worry about yourself when you're just trying to pour out to them. Right. And that's been a real therapy and, and uh, blessing. So you minister yourself when you minister to others. Right. Is what I'm hearing? Exactly. Sam, do you have anything to add to that? No, it is just, um, I, I didn't know there was an option. Okay. When I signed up to follow my king, uh, I didn't, I didn't think about retirement. I didn't think that, in fact, I, I want to die singing. I'm trying to train myself to fall backwards so I don't hurt the guitar. So. 
I know 200 men would love to catch you. If you <laughs> so I'll tell you what we're going to do, guys. We're going to segue with a little bit of a video here because I want to ask a question later on about a legacy. And uh, I want to have this video as a kind of a starting to that. So, buddy, would you play that, please? Make it count, leave a mark, build a name for yourself. Dream your dreams, chase your heart above all else. Make a name the world remembers. But all an empty world can sell is empty dreams. I got lost in the light, but it was up to me to make a name the world remembers. But Jesus is the only name to remember. They remember me 
Only Jesus. Oh, the Spirit is really moving, isn't he? You can feel him in here. He's thick. Oh, yeah. Uh, here are some words that I got out of there, and I don't want to leave a legacy. I don't care if they remember me, only Jesus. And I, I've only got one life to live. I'll let every second point to him, only Jesus. Mm-hmm. Does that speak to your heartbeat? You know, I heard a story about Charles Spurgeon years years ago from a friend of mine. You know, I'm kind of an Oswald Chambers guy, and he's a pastor, and he's a Charles Spurgeon guy. And he said that when Charles Spurgeon was preaching in at the London Tabernacle, um, there was a guy across town that was a really eloquent speaker and a great preacher, and they were packing his church out, and they were packing the church out at... Spurgeon's church as well. And he said that uh, the difference in the two were that when they would leave the other pastor's church, you'd hear people saying, isn't he a great preacher? Wasn't that a great sermon? But when they would leave Charles Spurgeon's church, they would say, isn't God a great guy? Isn't Jesus a wonderful Savior? And that'd be the legacy that I'd want to leave. All right, that's what uh and and I think that will be the legacy you leave. And the fact is that there will be a legacy, but the greatest legacy is that you have made Jesus famous. That's our mission, right? Yeah. Sam, how do you feel about that song and that thought? I love that. That's great. Yeah, you know, I think I, I want a legacy with my kids and stuff like that. So sometimes, you know, I hear a song that sounds, that sounds great. I'll raise a banner of that. But then the reality comes down, I think, I'd like to live a legacy of, my kids, I'd like them to know Jesus. I'd like them to be sure of where I went when I died and where Nana went, where Colleen went. And so um, I thought about, you know, one of the things, it's a little off that, but it's, it's a, it affects me that way. You know, we store up our treasures in heaven uh, so that moth and rust won't destroy them. And I've thought about uh, this, and I'm not being overly humble here. I'm being really truthful. Uh, I get pats on the back all the time for singing. And you hear applause, and people say, "Well, hey, great job, great sermon, great music," and you get that adoration. You get that, and I'm, I mean, I love it. I mean, I guess anybody would, but but I've started thinking about it. And I thought, gosh, you know what? I, I need to just somehow point all that up to Jesus, because I've got nothing stored in heaven. That's what I felt like. I felt like, because I've been getting it all here. Because I mean, I had a great wife here, great great friends here, a great great life here. I get to sing. I mean, uh, heaven, wow. It's better than that. That's pretty good. Mm. And then, uh, but I thought, I don't know if I'm storing my treasure in heaven. I don't know if I'm putting my energy into things that need to go to heaven, people. And then am I really pouring my life into discipleship of the people that are my influence? You know, Pete says a thing, and I don't know if I'm, I'm going to say it right. He, it's better he said it, but said if I'm in a man's uh, presence five minutes or five months or five years, uh, I want to choke in his dust when he leaves. He knows Jesus. I forget how he says it, but but that idea that if they're with him that long, that they, when they leave, that they know Jesus. There's no yeah. doubt about it. And I like that. I thought I like that thought that that people would see Jesus in, in me. So I guess that's kind of like in a legacy, but, but the legacy is that they need to know Jesus. I mean, I don't, Sam Parsons won't get you to heaven. No. 
Jesus will. But you sure have pointed us to heaven. Amen. So, Sam, I want to get a little personal with you. Okay. And the reason why I say that is because uh, I have this visualization of reading Paul where he says that, you know, I, I buffet my body, I, I make it obey, I'm running the race, I'm running to win, I'm running for the crown. I've, 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 led, I've lived a life of faith, and now there's a great victory laid up for me. I think about Hebrews 12, about how we're running a race. And a lot of guys out here don't know that this time last year that you were di diagnosed with stage four cancer. Yeah. And uh, at that time, I think you received word that you had stage four pancreatic cancer. Right. I think about the week before you had your wife's memorial service. Yeah. Two weeks after she died. Two weeks after she I died. I got the, the report. Right. It was and, a mixed thing because for me to cry and live as Christ and for me to die as gain. Yeah. And I missed my wife so bad. I mean, it had only been a week or so, you know, two weeks. And so when the doctor told me, you've got stage four cancer, I give you three to six months to live. Uh, I was thinking, hey, cool. You won the lottery, huh? <laughs> you know, honey, I'm on my way. <laughs> and uh, so I was just, I was kind of, my daughter was sitting there, so it wasn't cool to do that in front of your daughter. It's like, hey, I want to die and leave you. I'll see you. Uh, so that was hard. For, it's hard for my kids because they just lost their mother. And now the diagnosis was terminal. They're going to lose their father. And we'd had a guy, one of the guys in our men's group, um, uh, Lee, who had uh, the same exact uh, uh, prognosis that I did. He lasted 50 days. And so I'm looking at that. We, I had my piano player, Ricardo, had the same thing. And he lasted about two years. But he was sick, totally sick the whole two years at that time. And just weak. And I thought, gosh, dang, what am I looking at? So three to six months didn't sound too bad. No. And you, but, but here you are a year later. Right. Because God's got a plan. Yeah. And I think you produced uh, a, a new album. Yeah, I did time. a new album. So it's over. I think I got a few copies of it. Well, good. Yeah. And uh, are they available? I wrote a little song. Yes, sir. All right. I wrote a little song that uh, called The Best Is Yet To Come. That's the name of the album. And the idea was, it's kind of like that. The idea about a legacy, but it was the idea, if you think of anything, of all remember that we spent some time together. We walked with God together. We spent time together. And that that's the main thing. Our love will never end. And then I use Romans 8.18 in the middle of the song that, uh, that there's, um, I consider this present suffering nothing to be compared with the glory yet to come. So what time is it? You got time there? About 6 o'clock. So I guess we've got, got to wrap up here then. Okay. Because I was going to say, get your guitar out. Let's play that. Yeah. All right. <laughs> right now, I'm, I'm um, going through a situation with uh, my lungs. My lungs are filled with uh, cancer. And so I don't breathe very well. So I'm not singing as clear as I'd, I'd like to sing. So we better wait till it's over. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay, 
This is called The Best Is Yet To Come. When all my days are gone And I leave this all behind I hope that you will say We had a pleasant time We laughed and talked a while We shared a dream or two And I'm a better man Cause I spent time with you When you remember me When all is said and done I hope you will believe The best is yet to come Now when I see his face Oh I'll be sure to mention you But I'm sure in all his grace He'll be thinking of you too Now the time it won't be long Till we meet again So remember my little song And how our love will never end Oh, the best is yet to come The best is yet to come And when all is said and done I know the best is yet to come Now I consider this present suffering Nothing to be compared With the best that's still yet to come Now when all my days are gone I leave this world behind Oh, I hope that you will say We had a pleasant time don't get no better than that, does it, guys? So, Pete, would you, uh, would you close us with a thought and a prayer, please? You know, 
We start a lot of our prayer times when uh, we men get together to pray back in Orange County with a Puritan prayer book called the uh, Valley of Vision. And I'd like to close with this, uh, with this prayer. It's called God the All. O oh God, whose will conquers all, there is no comfort in anything apart from enjoying you and being engaged in your service. You are all in all, and all enjoyments are what to me you make them to be, and no more. I am well pleased with your will, whatever it is, or should be in all respects. And if you bids me decide for myself in any affair, I would choose to refer it all to you. For you are infinitely wise and cannot do amiss, as I am in danger of doing. I rejoice to think that all things are at your disposal, and it delights me to leave them there. Then prayer turns wholly into praise, and all I can do is adore and bless you. What shall I give you for all your benefits? I am in a strait between the two, knowing not what to do. I long to make some return, but have nothing to offer, and can only rejoice that you do all, that none in heaven or on earth shares your honor. I can of myself do nothing to glorify your blessed name, but I can through grace cheerfully surrender my soul and body to you. I know that you're the author and finisher of faith, that the whole work of redemption is yours alone, that every good work or thought found in me is the effect of your power and grace, that your sole motive in working in me to will and do for your good pleasure. Oh, God, it's amazing that men can talk so much about man's creaturely power and goodness when if you did not hold us back every moment, we should be devils incarnate. This is my bitter experience that you have taught me concerning myself. Thanks for teaching me that it's not about me. Thanks for teaching us that our whole role in life is to glorify you in your name that we could leave people wondering what makes us joyful and happy when there's no reason. So, Lord, we turn to you again. We worship you because you're worthy of our worship. We ask you to teach us the deep things of Christ that we may have in gain and loss their only goal to glorify you. Amen. Well, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Rocky Fleming and uh, Pete McKenzie and Sam Parsons. And uh, that happened at Soto, a very, very special moment that we'll, none of us will ever forget. Anyway, hope you are plugged into our ministry. Hope you're out there making disciples and uh, using the journey. And uh, if uh, you need any help in that in any way, we'd love to hear from you. So you can reach us at, through our website, www.influencers.org. Lots of resources out there and uh, a lot of new things happening with the ministry. So uh, be sure you're, you're checking us out and also that you're on our national email list. You can sign up on the, on the website if you're not. And uh, anyway, we want to help you in your quest to go make disciples. I'm Brian Craig, Executive Director for Influencers Global Ministries, and I'm going to keep encouraging you to abide in Christ and to go make disciples. God bless you.